0: Chapter 3, Part 6 of Junior Classics, Volume 2, Folk Tales and Myths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Myra Parker. Junior Classics, Volume 2, Folk Tales and Myths by William Patton. Chapter 3. THE STORY OF LOHENGREN PART 6 THE WOOING OF THE DAUGHTER OF THE KING OF IRELAND FROM THE Gudrun LAY When Hedl, the young king of Denmark, but newly crowned, was minded to take him a wife, he sent and gathered together his high vassals and lieges to his palace in Heigelingen to give him counsel. And Morung of Nifland said to the king, There is one maiden that for comeliness surpasseth all others in the world. That is Hilda, daughter of wild Hagen, king of Ireland, and she is peerless. That may be so, answered the king, but Hagen is waxed so proud that there is no dealing with him by fair words, and many kings and jarls which sought to carry her off by strength of arm now sleep the sword's sleep because of her then spake the sweet-voiced Horant. full well i know the maiden she is radiant as the soft new snow beneath the dawn stern is her father and cruel as the north wind that tears the clouds and breaks the sea and shakes the pines in his fists wherefore if the king must send a messenger let him not choose me fruit spake also neither am i fain to go upon this errand but let the king send and summon jarl Waite of Sturman. he is more reckless than any man and heedeth no living thing but when jarl Waite was come before the king and understood what was required of him he was but ill-pleased and said i ween horrent and fruit to have counselled thee in this and to have done in no friendly wise toward me Howbeit I am not the man to pick an enterprise that hath no peril in it. I will go, but since Horrent and Fruit esteem my life so lightly, they shall go likewise. Then Uralt of Ortland and Morung said, It is well spoken, and inasmuch as it behoveth none to hang back when brave men take their lives in their hands, we also will go with them. So the king made ready a great ship of cypress wood, in fashion like a dragon. It was all aglow with golden scales. The anchor was of silver, and the steering paddle overlaid with gold. Within he furnished it abundantly, with victual for the voyage, with armor and raiment, and presents of great price. Then Jarl wait and Morung, horrent and fruit and Yuralt entered into the ship with seven hundred of their men. They drew aloft the embroidered sail. A fair wind arose and bore them out of harbor. For many days they tilled the barren sea-fields, until, weary of sea toil, they saw the welcome land, and steered in for Castle Balian, where Hagen, the king, kept court. Being come to shore, Horant and Yuralt took precious jewels in their hands worth many thousand marks, and leaving their men hidden in the ship, came to King Hagen, saying, Behold, we have voyaged from a far country, where we have heard of thy fame, and we pray thee take these presents at our hands. Hagen looked at the jewels, and marveled at their great worth. He said, What kings are ye, and whence have you come, with all this treasure? Horant answered, saying, Banished folk are we. Hast thou not heard of Hadel, who is king in Heigelingen, and of his might and majesty, of the battles he has fought, and the riches he has gathered together? He despiseth such as we, and being well befriended, careth nothing for his men. Wherefore a few of us, weary of his overbearing ways, have left him seeking service. Then said Hagen, Ye shall abide with me. And he commanded to make ready lodgings for them in the city. But Horant and Uralt gave gold away so lavishly to all within the city that the people said, Of a truth, these must be the richest kings of the earth. And the fair Hilda, hearing of it, desired greatly to see these strangers, wherefore her father bade them to a feast. The Danish knights came at his bidding, arrayed most sumptuously and the feast being over and the wine outpoured, the queen and Hilda left the table, desiring that the guests might be brought to them in the inner chamber. First Jarl Waite went in, a huge and burly man with a great rough beard and brawny hands. But when the queen bade him sit between her and the princess, he blushed and stammered, and then blundered shamefaced to the seat. "'Thou art strangely ill at ease in company of ladies,' said the queen." "'Ay, mistress,' said Jarl "'I am not over-smooth of tongue. "'I am not skilled to lisp about the weather. "'What shall I say? "'This seat is soft enough. "'I never mind me to have sat so soft before, "'nor to have wrought so hard in doing it. "'By my life, good ladies,' he cried, "'upstarting. "'A good day's battle with a brisk enemy "'never wearied me so much "'or made me deem myself so great a fool.' Hilda and her mother laughed pleasantly at his bluff behavior and sought to put him at ease, but wait would have no more. He strode off to the hall among the king and his men, and in an hour or so became himself again. For the king won on him. Hagen's big voice, his battle knowledge, and his love of fight opened Jarl Waite's heart, and the two were soon made friends. But for the women, there was none in their esteem like the sweet-voiced Horant. He was fair to look upon as a woman, yet had no lack of courage in the battle time. His wit was quick, and when he talked, his face was in a glow at sight of the strange pictures in his mind, whereby he likened things to one another in curious sort, so that all which heard him wondered and were glad. Now Hagen spake much with weight concerning sword-play and the mystery thereof. So presently Jarl Waite besought the king to appoint him a master of fence, to teach him a little of it. Because fencing after their manner was a thing in which he was little learned, then King Hagen sent for the best fencemaster that he had, and set him to teach Jarl Waite the rules of sword play. But quickly losing patience at the long list of early rules which the fencemaster laid down, Hagen caught the foil from out of his hands, crying, Away with you! Why all this stuff? In four strokes I will teach this man to use a sword. So the king fell to with weight whom, however, he very soon found an exceeding skillful master of fence. Thereat being somewhat angry, he struck in fiercely, and they both carried on the sport till the buttons flew off the foils, yet neither gat the better of the other. Then Hagen, throwing down his foil, cried, In sooth, never saw I youth learn so quickly. And Uralt said, There is very little wherein the serving men of our lord's country are not already learned so as jarl Wait and his fellows abode continually at the king's court and feasted with him every day it befell once on a time when night was past and the day had begun to dawn that hornt arose and tuned his voice to a song the birds waking in the hedges had begun to sing but hearing music sweeter than theirs they held their peace ever higher and sweeter Horent lifted his song till it rang about the palace, and all the sleepers dreamed of Baldur and his home in Gansblik in the sky. Soon they woke, nor were they sorry to lose their dreams at hearing Horent's song. Hagen heard it and rose up from his bed. Hilda and her maidens heard it and arose. Men and women came thronging to thank the singer, but when they came, the song was done yet none the more would the birds begin their lays they had lost their notes from wonder then hilda besought her father that by any means he should constrain Horant to sing again and hagen being no less crazed with the song recked not for aught else and he promised the singer a thousand pounds of gold by weight if he would sing again at eve at evening Horant sang The people filled the hall and flocked about the castle for a great space. The sick came thither and remembered their pains no more. The beasts in the forest and the cattle in the fields left their food. The worms forgot to go in the grass, and the fishes left swimming in the sea. And when the song was done and the folk went their ways, they heard the minster choirs and the chiming of the bells, but took no more pleasure in them. Hilda sent twelve purses of gold to Horent, entreating him to come and sing to her in her chamber. The singer came and sang the song of Emil, the like whereof no man had ever heard save on the wild flute. No gold was ever so good. The maiden laid her hand within the singer's and bade him choose whatever he listed for a song gift. He said, I pray thee give me but the girdle from thy waist, that I may take it to my master. She asked, Who is thy master? He answered, No banished men are we, but servants of Hedal, king of Denmark, come to woo thee for his bride. Then Hilda said, So thou couldst always sing to me at morn and eve, I would not care whose bride I were. Horant said, Lady within my master's courts abide twelve minstrels better far than i and yet with all the sweetness of their singing my lord sings best of all and hilda said if that be so i fain would follow thee and be king hedel's bride but i know not how my father will give me to no suitor with his good will i would go but i durst not Horant answered her since thou wouldst be it ours to dare we ask no more then horant and his comrades got ready their ship for sea and afterward they came to hagen saying the time for our departure draweth nigh and we must sail to other lands but before we go we pray you bring the queen and your fair daughter that they may see the treasures which we have within the ship so on the next day after mass king hagen came down to the beach with his queen and the fair hilda and her maids with them went a thousand good knights of ireland the ship was swung to a single cable the anchor aboard the sail tackle free upon the sands were spread the danish treasure chests filled with costly raiment embroidered with gold and jewels there was a crowding round the chest to see Jarl weight was there and fruit and horrent and in the crowding hilda was parted from her mother Hagen and his knights saw nothing for the crowd, and the queen forgot her daughter at beholding the glories of the raiment. But suddenly they heard a shout, and looking up, beheld Jarl Waite leap on the bulwarks with fair Hilda in his arms. The next moment Horant and Fruit sprang on board with two other maidens. Jarl smote at the cable with his axe. It parted. The sail was hauled aloft, and twenty oars shot out from either side to lift the ship along. Hagen and his knights ran quickly down into the sea, but the rowers rowed hard, and armed men in the ship arose, seven hundred strong, and laid about them. Short was the fight, and soon the vessel reached deep water. Loud laughed the Danes to see on the fading shore the angry crowd, the weeping Queen, and Hagen, raging like a madman up to his waist in the sea. Fast sped the ship, and the wind was fair. The Danes made Hegelingen in ten days, and Hedel was wed to Hilda with great joy. But while they yet sat at the marriage feast, Hagen's warship bore down upon their coast. Quickly the Danes rose from the tables, put their armor on, and ran down to the shore. Hagen drave his ship upon the sand and leaped into the water with his men. A shower of arrows thick as hail was his greeting. Heddle rushed foremost to withstand him. There was fierce fighting between the two for a little space. Then Heddle fell, sore wounded, and over his body Hagen and his knights pressed on and hewed their way to land. Fast fell the men, both Danes and Irelanders. Then Jarl Waite encountered Hagen, and the battle anger fell on both the men. They fought like wild beasts of the wood, till, Waite being wounded on the head, Hagen's war pike break at the next blow he struck. Meantime, the battle raged furiously. The Irelanders kept their footing, but could not drive back the Danish men. The numbers slain on either hand were equal, man for man. Then, Heddle's wounds being bound up, the Danish king cried out to Hagen, Of what avail shall it be to you or me to fight this battle out? For every man of mine that falls, a man of thine goes down. When it is done, there will be an end to Danes and Irelanders alike. But if thou must needs prolong the fight, I will now meet thee. And if Hilda weeps for a dead husband, she shall mourn a dead father too. Then Hagen cast down his sword, and called off his men, and he said to Heddle, Give me thy hand, for in sooth my child has married a brave man, and had I half a score more daughters, they should all come to Hegelingen. So the kings made peace together, and the marriage feast was all begun again, and kept for twelve days in King Heddle's palace. Moreover, a wise woman brought forth herbs and roots and healed the warriors of their wounds. And after the feasting, Hagen and his men were loaded with gifts, and they entered into their ship and departed to Ireland. End of chapter 3, part 6. Recording by Myra Parker.